You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. I just want to just take a few moments to share something that God put in my heart specifically for First Conference. And uh, I love Cincinnati. Um, Got a soft spot for the Bengals. Uh, commiserations, but there's going to be next year. Um, even I even enjoy that skyline stuff. Like a lot of people hate on it, but you know what I'm saying? Like like spaghetti on a hot dog, great. You know, it's your God-given right as an American. Um, but the thing I love most about Cincinnati is uh, Queen City Church. And the thought that people here at Queen City would take a Monday night out and spend their precious time asking Jesus to do something with that time. I just want to speak it over your life. In the name of Jesus, if you give God time, he'll take it. If you create space, he'll fill it. If you bring him your worries, he'll carry them. It is a wise thing to do what you're doing here tonight And may you do it for many nights and mornings to come. Give him your time and see what he does. I've been thinking a lot about time lately. I think it's because first and foremost, I'm getting old. You know what I'm saying? You get to an age where you just start just reflecting on your days more and more. You start pondering the concept of time. I turned 47 uh, last year. I turned 48 in a couple weeks' time. I know I don't look 48, because you know how they say black doesn't crack? Well, well, Asian don't raisin, you know what I'm saying? So I'm looking good for 48, but I'm feeling every single one of those 48 years. I am celebrating 26 years of wedded bliss in two weeks' time, 26 years. Don't clap for me, clap for Krista when you meet her. I've got a daughter who's 20 years old and she has her first boyfriend and I'm putting the fear of King Jesus into that young man's heart. I've got an 18-year-old boy who's taller than me and bigger than me and stronger than me. I'm thinking a lot about time because I'm getting old. I'm at that age where I'm waking up with injuries I didn't go to sleep with. You know what I'm saying? When you, when you be going to sleep and you kind of just feel, and I didn't hurt anything at the gym, I didn't like kind of strain anything in that run, you're feeling good, and then you wake up in the morning and you pull the hamstring. I had a vigorous dream and now you're like hobbling around all day long. I've been thinking about time. I'm at that age as a man, over 45, where my doctor's visits are different. All the young brothers in the room, Miles, you don't understand, bro. Like when you're young, you go to a doctor, like, he'll check your heartbeat, like, you know, he kind of, like, put a little thermometer in your mouth, give you a fist bump, and then you're on your way. Not when you're over 45. There's going to come a time where that doctor's going to come into the room with a funny look in his eyes. He's going to come and ask you to put your elbows down somewhere, and you're going to take a step back. Whoa, 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 time out. Like, can we talk for a little bit? Like, I feel like, can you hold me for a while? Like... Just all the young brothers in the room, enjoy these days because a moment is going to come where everything is going to change. And it's going to be clear there are less days ahead of you than behind you. Time is short. 
I've been thinking a lot about time, and the Bible makes it clear that you should think about your time as well. In Psalm 90, it tells us to ask God to teach us to number our days, to recognize that every single moment is a gift from God. Every single day is a delivery from heaven to be used by His grace and for His glory. There are no repeats. There are no guarantees. Make the most of your time. I don't know about you, but it feels like time is flying by quicker than ever. And it's important for us, dare I say imperative for us, as a people who want to do God's will, who want to shine His light, show His love, share His message, to not waste an opportunity to make the most of your time. So here's the question. Okay, big Asian guy who obviously does a lot of upper body work in the gym, but not as much on his lower body. How? You're right. Time is flying. We're celebrating a new year, but it feels like yesterday we were celebrating New Year's like 365 days ago. And it feels like I'm going to blink twice, take two breaths, and we're going to be having New Year's again in a couple of days. It feels like time is flying by. How do I make sure? that I don't waste my days, that I don't live like one who has unlimited time, but I redeem these moments for the glory of God. As I reflected on that question, the Holy Spirit led me to a portion of Scripture where a guy named Paul, who was used by God to write a lot of the New Testament, reflected on time reflected on the brevity of time, reflected on the value of time, reflected on the unrepeatable nature of time. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4? 2 Timothy chapter 4, most commentators and scholars believe were the very last words Paul wrote here on earth. In 1 and 2 Timothy, you'll see a very different tone in these writings. In the epistles, when he wrote to the Corinthian church and to the Ephesian church and to the Philippian church, to the Colossian church, he spoke to the practicalities of running a church, governance, encouragement, admonishment. But in 1 and 2 Timothy, he isn't writing to a general church, he's writing to a spiritual child. There is a personal tone, there is a loving tone, there is a challenging tone. And here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, near the end, he's taking a tact where he is challenging his spiritual son Timothy to make the most of his time because Paul understands that his time was nearly done and before Timothy knew it, his would be too. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, He encourages Timothy with these words. And these words resonate to this moment. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed 
for his appearing. Hey, Timothy, hey, friends, you you think that these days are just going to keep going on and on and on. You think that you have year after year guaranteed. You don't. All of us but get a moment. No replays, no guarantees. And Paul, fully understanding this reality, is saying, the time for my departure is near. I can see the final boarding call. The announcement has gone out. There is no more dillying or dallying. It's time now to cross the threshold. But I'm good because I made the most of my time. Now, here is the challenge to you, child of God. What are you doing with yours? I can stand before God, Paul would say, and give an account for time well spent because he fought the good fight. He ran his race and he kept the faith. If you want 2024 to be the testimony of redeemed time, no matter how much is apportioned to you, the challenge from heaven is to fight the good fight, to run your race, and to keep the faith. If you have notes, I encourage you to pull out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now to scribble some things down. I'm not telling you you need to take notes to get into heaven. I'm just saying, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? Get to the end and there's an open book. I'm messing around. That's not true at all. Again, I say it all the time. iPhones and iPads, open them up, find the note app, and thank the Lord Jesus with Steve Jobs as you do so. That's a wonderful piece of technology you have right there. If you're like a Samsung or a Google device, you can put it away. I've got nothing for you from this point on in the message. Because you mess up our group text with your green bubble energy. That's so invasive. Like we're all on the same page. It's cooling. It's blue. We're all like communicating with one another. And then bloop, it all goes green because one of you guys got a deal at a Verizon at that local strip mall. No, no, no. I'm messing around. If you have one of those devices, you can scribble this down as well. If you want to redeem your time, if you want to maximize your days, if you want to get to the end of 2024 and not let it be just another year that flew by, but you make the most of this gift, make sure you can stand before King Jesus and declare, I fought the good fight, I ran my race, and I kept the faith. First and foremost, we have to fight the good fight. Everyone say fight. Fight. Say fight like an Australian. Fight. Fight. Say fight like an American. Fight. Fight. Say fight like my dad. Fight. Uh, That was a racism test and all of your past it. Well done. (laughs) Fight the good fight. Now, when the Bible says to fight the good fight, there's a strong insinuation that there are a lot of fights in your earth that you can get involved in that aren't that good because you're being told to fight the good fight. And some of y'all are wasting your days. You are burning your days. You are flushing your days, fighting over things or fighting with people or fighting for ground that isn't worth fighting for. Some of y'all have burnt your peace, 
ruined relationships, torched some bridges because you found yourself on a battleground that Jesus is not that interested in. But if you want to find yourself, Queen City Church, making the most of your 2024, beginning here at First Conference, make sure you realign your scope towards a target that King Jesus actually cares about. If he didn't bleed for it, why would you? Fight the good fight. Because I know you're going to fight because you all are American. And Americans like to fight. It's in your national anthem. That's the reason you all have the most combative national anthem on planet Earth. It's so different than the Australian national anthem. The Australian national anthem is literally about, yo, we on a beach. Chill. Literally Google it later. Australians, let us all rejoice. Aussies, be happy. For we are young and free, with gold in our soil, with wealth for toil. Our land is girt or surrounded by sea. We're on the beach. Grab a coconut. Hang out. Not America's anthem. You got bombs and guns and flares and there's a dude in a jail and he's watching a a flag waving. And I love it. I love how Americans will fight for things that matter to them. I love the fact that you live in a country where you're allowed to, you're encouraged to take a stance and to stand by it. My only challenge to you is to ask the question, what are you actually fighting for? Who are you fighting with? And what will your fight achieve? And this is an important word because we're coming into an election year and you're gonna find everyone's gonna wanna fight one another. You're going to find yourself in workplaces, in colleges, in family dinners where things are going to come up, your, heart is start, your heart's going to start racing, your hands will start sweating, and then all of a sudden the fight is going to start blazing, the words are going to start flying, and you have to time and time again make a decision to say, you know what, is this worth the fight? Because I fear that many Christian people in America burn all of their energy, burn all of their peace, ruin all of their joy, fighting over stuff that God doesn't care that much about. But there is a fight in the earth that's worth your effort, that's worth your energy, that's worth your all, that's worth you taking a deep breath, getting to the precipice and jumping in. If you got to think about what's actually happening here when Paul's writing this down, he is in, in prison in Rome. He is most likely chained to a Roman guard. So he's literally chained to a soldier who has spent his life fighting. And he's saying, you know what? You spent your life fighting to extend an empire. My life is going to be used to fight and extend a kingdom that will ever last. Fight the good fight. Fight to shine light in dark places. Fight to share a good news message in resistant spaces. Fight to paint a beautiful picture of a God who has a heart for those who are far away from Him. Fight. 
Men in the room with families fight to build your wife up, to walk in confidence and joy, fight so that your sons and daughters have identity in him. Come on, women in the room, fight so that you would see beautiful kingdom things flow through your life in everything that you touch. Fight the good fight. Secondly, we've got to learn how to run our race. Fight the good fight and run your race. Turn to your neighbor and let them know you've got to run your race. You've got to run your race. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice, you've got to run your race as well. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to blink twice and take two breaths and look into the mirror and see an old, old man who has wasted most of his days. I don't want you to find yourself running on a rat wheel for so long that you find yourself regretting the race that you could have run that actually mattered. So fight the good fight and run your race. I love how this doesn't imply it clearly directs you to run a race that has been marked out for you. That's the reason in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews would say to run this race that was marked out for you by Jesus himself. Get your mind around that. If you've ever had questions about your purpose, if you've ever pondered meaning, if you've ever found yourself staring into the sky and wondering, what is this all about? Take heart, my friend. There is a God who knows you. He loves you. He's intricately intertwined in your journey. He's interested in your days. And he has marked out a race for you to run. You can't run mine. I can't run yours. Run your race. Smile. That's good news. It means that every single day we have an opportunity to live a 24-hour period knowing that God has planned that for us. He's ordained it for us. He's going to provide our way forward. He's going to open the doors required. He has marked out a race for you to run. That's so cool. My son Josiah is the most American out of our family. We moved here seven years ago. My wife and I have held on to our Australianness because Australianness is a passport in America. We can do anything, but because we Australian, we get away with it. I was pulled over for doing 75 in a 50 zone, and the, the police officer pulled me over. I knew I was in trouble. I wound down the window. G'day, mate, how you doing? My name's Dan. The police officer was so blown away because everything doesn't make sense. Like, why does he look like Jackie Chan, but sound like the crocodile hunter? Oh, I'm so sorry, mate. I always get those numbers mixed up between the kilometers per hour and the miles per hour. I'm pretty new to this stuff. Before I knew it, I was best buddies with this police officer. I'm giving him travel tips about going across to Australia, alleviating his fears about snakes and spiders. And he let, we're holding on to our Australianness, not my son. My son forsook his Australianness as soon as he got here and saw his first American girl. He was like, whoa, 
America. Like he's, he's in. <laughs> Sweet little kid just getting about it, eating biscuits for breakfast. And, and, uh, and he played all kinds of sport because we just thought it was like a requirement for all young men to play some kind of sport because that was the question we were asked all the time. What sport is Josiah playing? So he played a season of basketball. He played a season of football. Uh, he ran a season of cross country. He ran a season of track last year. And um, when he signed up for track, the only event that wasn't filled was the 300 meter hurdles. Okay, horrible event. Kids never run 300 meters in his life. Never jumped a hurdle in his life. But here he is, he's a taller kid, so they put him in the 300 meter hurdles. And I thought to myself, maybe the coach identifies something in him that we have never seen. Maybe he's freakishly good at this. Maybe he's a prodigy. So I remember going along to the first track meet and I'm kind of semi-excited that maybe we're gonna discover something about Josiah we've never seen before. And so we get there and before I know it, his event comes around. Before I know it, boom, the starter's gun goes off and my son takes off as fast as he can. And after the first 50 meters, my son is winning. I'm thinking to myself, this is a freakish skill that has been uncovered. This is the stuff that Disney movies are made of. I'm Googling, like, where is the summer 2028 Olympics? I'm thinking to myself, he is going all the way with this. He's got no form. He's got no efficiency. He's just jumping as high as he can over those hurdles. And after 100 meters, everyone had caught up. By the 150 meter mark, he was starting to fall behind. By the 200 meter mark, he kind of stopped jumping over the hurdles and he started just boom, kicking them over and stepping. <laughs> By the last 100 meters, he couldn't even kick over the hurdles anymore. He was doing this bad boy. <sighs> now, I don't know who came first in that race. I've got a pretty strong suspicion I know who came last in that race. But I'm 100% certain because I have phone video evidence that there was an old Chinese guy standing in the stands at T.L. Hannah screaming at the top of his lungs, Go, buddy! I'm proud of your son! Keep on running! It's all good, champ! Just stay in your lane! Don't worry, buddy, just finish the race! Now, if I would do that for my son, and I am a below average dad, how much more would your perfect, loving, heavenly father yell in your direction, letting you know, I marked out a race for you to run, just run it. I marked out a race for you to run, just keep on going. I know you're getting tired, but catch your breath and keep on going. I know you tripped over and scraped your knee, but it's all good. Get it fixed up and keep on going. I know that it's discouraging when other people are dropping out of their race, but that's up to them. You run your race, you finish your race, you complete your race. Come on, run your race. Because he's marked it out for you. He's planned it out for you. And don't get crippled by comparison. I feel so sorry for a generation raised with the basic paradigm of social media and watching everyone else's highlight reels all the time. 
I'm old enough to, to know phones as a young person, but phones for me as a young person was like kind of the brick phone you used to put in your tight jeans. Remember the Nokia 5110 with like the, you know, that, the snake game? Come on, where the old people, where the Gen X is at? You're on the snake game. It's so difficult, I know, to find yourself, come on, scrolling and looking and getting fixated on everyone else's race. I feel it too. I fall into the trap of comparison, and that comparison becomes crippling. I feel comparison every single time I come to Cincinnati and visit Queen City. Because I come here and I see Pastor Brian, and he's tall and he's lean, and I see his hairline, it's so beautiful. It's like it's, it's, like it's glued on, bro. It's like. <laughs> I see a church that he's leading and something he was so brave to plant. And, and I find myself sometimes comparing myself to a lot of my friends, but I'm reminded, Jesus gave me a race to run, and all he's doing is asking me to run my race. I'm not looking to the left. I'm not looking to the right. I'm not getting crippled by comparison or competition. Come on, I'm running my race. Run yours. Fight the good fight. Run the race. And lastly, keep the faith. They say, keep the faith. Uh, you guys do a good Australian accent. You must have a lot of you have a lot of Aussies around the Cincinnati area. Keep the faith. I like it. If you want to make sure that you don't waste another year, stop fighting for things that don't matter. Stop fighting with people. that won't be convinced. Align your target towards kingdom ventures, kingdom battles, because there is a fight going on in the earth between light and darkness, a kingdom of God and a kingdom of hell that will not be able to stop the advancement of this kingdom. There's a fight going on in the earth for the eternal souls of men and women. There's a fight going on in the earth between the things of the temporary and the gloriously eternal. Fight for that stuff. Run your race. Because homie, you got a cool race to run, I can tell. The whole fit is just telling me that you got a special race to run, bro. So take a deep breath. Greet each day. Here's my race to run. And keep the faith. When you get told to keep something, that implies strongly that you can give it away. Am I right? You can lose it. You can exchange it. You can let someone steal it. If someone's telling you to keep something, it means that you've got to guard it. You've got to keep an eye on it. Keep the faith. Now that's strange to some ears. Wait a second, what do you mean? Like, I have a faith in Jesus. I'm out here at first conference on a Monday night. This is the gathering of the most hardcore believers here at Queen City Church. Hey, I'm a faith person, but can I suggest to you that I've seen over the last couple of years, a lot of people actually exchange their faith for other things. 
Real talk, I've seen a lot of people in the last couple of years exchange faith for a formula. They've worked out a path of least resistance when it comes to a relationship with God and they're just going with that. And I know this, not anecdotally, I can see this empirically because as a pastor, I can see the statistics that are gathered even at the church that I help lead there in South Carolina. We're not as lent in, we're not as bought in with our time, our talent or our treasure. And I think the reason a lot of us have exchanged a fiery, hot faith pre-2020 for a formula post-2020 is because when everything got shut down, a lot of people who had a smudge of legalism about them found themselves not doing the things they thought they needed to do to keep God happy so good things would happen for them. And because their spiritual rhythms got changed up but their life didn't change that much, they came out the other side thinking to themselves, maybe I can just bring the bare minimum and I'm gonna be good. The only problem is the life that God came so far to give you through His Son Jesus and He wants to release through the Spirit is not the fruit, come on, of minimal interaction. It is the fruit of surrender. Don't exchange a fired up faith for a formula. Don't exchange a path where you pick up your cross daily for the path of least resistance. I've seen way too many people exchange faith in the last couple of years for fear. Just real talk, I just see a lot of friends of mine who in the last couple of years are more marked by fear. Man, the world's gone crazy, man. Like just society is falling apart, man. Like, and they're just so fear prone and I get it. There's a lot of uncertainty in the earth. There's a lot of craziness in culture, I get it. But don't exchange your faith, your belief that the best is yet to come. Come on, your belief that God is still on the throne. Come on, your belief that the sun is still shining even though it may be cloudy. Don't exchange faith for fear. I meet too many people. I'm not even talking about naturally fear prone people. I know some people who are historically very brave kinds of individuals. I'm thinking about some people even at the church that I get to help pastor back in South Carolina, who are those like brave manly men people. You know what I'm saying? Like thick, lush bearded men. I'm talking about like we lease and land out in Kansas to shoot all kinds of deer kind of men. I'm talking about big trucks, but gotta lift it anyway kind of men. I'm talking about if stuff goes crazy, I'm going to their house because they're doomsday prepper kind of men. You know what I'm saying? But those kinds of men, even in our church, are fearful now. They'll read a new story, they'll hear about something and it will rob them of their peace. And they're marked by fear. Remember about a year ago, there was a news story about this spy balloon that was going across America. You remember that one? About a year ago. I didn't even hear about it, but I remember coming to church one day and these two men come up to me, Diane, what are you gonna do about the Chinese spy balloon? First of all, why do you assume that I can do anything about a Chinese spy balloon? Like, they don't give me like a hotline number when I get born. Second of all, I don't think there's a Chinese spy balloon anywhere. I think it's a gender reveal gone wrong. 
because you all Americans take this gender reveal stuff way too seriously. I think it was like a giant balloon full of pink confetti that got out of hand. And even if there was a giant spy balloon, you do know that China doesn't need to send a balloon to listen to all your conversations and see all your stuff. Because all of you all willingly carry around a spy device. Ni hao, homie. Talk to Beijing right now. And even if there is someone up there watching me from a balloon, you know what? It doesn't stress me out because that balloon in that sky, huh, I know the one who made the sky. And if even there's something watching me from a spy balloon, someone, I know my God doesn't slumber or sleep and He watches that as that watches me. Come on! Don't exchange your faith for fear. Don't exchange your faith for frustration. Can I tell you that this year, a calm spirit and a joyful soul will be one of the loudest apologetics in a divided and fractured nation. I'm not talking about not having a stance or a view on things. I'm not talking about not having an intelligent, informed take on different matters. It is not only your right, it is your responsibility. But as you express your kingdom view, your peace, your calm, your joy, and your faith will boom so loudly in a world trying to draw you into a knockdown, drag out. Don't exchange faith for frustration. Keep the faith. Can someone say a good amen to that? Resources will be released. Conferences will be run. A sound will rise up out of Queen City. That doesn't sound Sydney, Australia, Bethany, or Atlanta-ish. It's going to sound like Cincinnati. And it's going to reverberate in this city. Scales will fall off eyes. Souls will be saved as the people of God here at Queen City Church just fight the good fight they run their race and they keep the faith if there's anything in your life that we can pray for please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer for the latest updates on our church follow us on social media at queencitypeople.com or visit queencitypeople.com.